0: hey this is steve balton and this week on my turning point we are joined by amy lee from the band evanescence band is going to release their first album bitter truth in nine years later this year just released a new single and such a pleasure to talk to amy about touring with iron maiden with corn with garbage about making music during the pandemic about the new album and so much more always a pleasure to talk to amy hope you enjoy the show as much as we did if you had to pick one turning point moment for you that led you to where you are today. And as I say, I know there are always a shit ton, but what would you, uh, (laughs) that's hard. Um, there,
1: I mean, after doing this for, I don't know, it's been like 20 years. It's weird to say, actually when I say it out loud, um, (laughs) there's just so many little moments along the way. And it's like, you're stuck at a place where you have to make a decision. And I have I found a lot of times it's um, choosing a path that's a little bit more difficult or a lot more difficult <laughs> than the easy one that is the one that really um, leads you to higher ground. Um, gosh,
0: if I could pick one turning point moment. <sighs> and it's funny, just, just so you know, to give you an idea, some people go intensely personal. Some people go more musical. Again, there is no <laughs> right or wrong answer. I mean, it really depends on, you know, sort of what comes to mind?
1: Well, there's like so many things to talk about. um, Because when I started this band as a kid, um, a couple of teenagers, you know, making music together in our parents' houses, it was a completely different thing. I mean, the idea that, that started this whole thing is still there this this just image and idea of something that combined multiple genres from the dramatic to the rock to the classical to the score and all that stuff but it was just this tiny dream and from then to now I mean I'm the only person I mean it was only two people to begin with but I'm 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 the, the last one standing um there have been member changes that have I mean just every time been a very special step forward um for us has taken us to the place that we are now. I love my band and my lineup at this point so much and um getting each one of them was it, it never would would be without struggle, you know, to make a change like that, but every time I've been so grateful for the choices that we've made um that has led me to my band family that I truly have now. Um I don't think I could pick out just one of those to be like the turning point, but there were um some big moments in the beginning um during Fallen, uh, when, when we were just starting out, I was 21 years old um, on that, actually my 21st birthday on the cover of Fallen. Um, we had the photo shoot that day. And uh, from that time, when we started touring for the first time, like we'd only played maybe, I don't know, 15 shows or less, um, when we really got signed and started the whole thing. And we were making an album that was so crazy. We were in a live band. Um, And we were becoming that in front of everyone very quickly. Um, It's crazy to think about that time now. But um, there were a lot of times in that first experience out where I was so young and um, there was a lot of anxiety. (laughs) And uh, I had to choose to be strong and um, believe in my own vision for the music, for our image, for the people surrounding me. Um, and a lot of times that made other people very mad (laughs) that were around me. And, uh, there are times that, you know, those people went away. Um, and I am so grateful, um, that the fear, I didn't let it shake me down. I didn't let any of those guys shake me down. I'm not saying specific names on purpose, but, um, I had to stand up and fight a lot in particular in the beginning, um, and then by the time we got to the place where I felt like I'd earned the right to make that second album, um, I felt like we were a band then, and I didn't really feel like that before. Um, take that all the way to the future, um, just more and more fights to be had. We're in a place now where I, I, I feel like I'm fighting, but I don't feel like I'm fighting inside. I don't feel like I'm fighting um, the machine itself, the, the people that are around me, my, my beautiful band our amazing management team, um, our representation. They're all people that believe in us and want to push us forward with our vision. Um, and it, it wasn't an easy place to get to. It, it took years of fighting. Now I can, I can feel like I'm just fighting the demons in my own heart and you know, singing from perspective. There's a lot to fight about right now. There's a lot to sing about. There's a lot to say in the world. There's a lot of injustice. There's a lot of lies. Um, I can actually focus on things that um, aren't so toxic within my own world. And that is a, an incredible gift.
0: Well, there's two main things. I don't think I answered your question, but there you go. You, 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 you <laughs> did. And it's funny. And there's two main things that I want to go in that direction with that. And we'll come on to the new music in a second. And, and the fighting, because I think what's interesting about it is when I talk with everybody, what I really enjoy about this format, and I had done something similar. I did a column for Forbes called Who I Am, where people trace sort of the 10 works of art or moments that shape them. And what's so fascinating is to see how the early struggles you go through continue to shape you as an artist. And Vanessa Carlton was on the show and she had a very similar sort of story. And I think what's interesting Mm -hmm. is what happens is, you know, when you get to this point that you do get the freedom, you know, and the artistic freedom and can stop fighting so much, you do have a much greater appreciation for it, but much greater greater appreciation for it. Before yeah. we come to that, something you said was so fascinating about the not being a live band and learning, you know, and, and having to sort of do that yes. publicly. And it's interesting yeah. because I remember Portishead is one of my favorite bands of all time. I, I Me just fucking too. love them. I love that band. And it's funny because I was talking with them about the fact that when Dummy came out in 94 and became this monumental, influential album, you know, they went through a very similar thing. They were not a live band. And you know, Dummy became this album that everybody wanted to see. And they went on to become, to me, one of the best live bands in the world. But it took years. And it's, it's interesting for you. Was there a moment early on where you felt that you kind of, and look, every artist is so hypercritical, but it's fascinating to look at. Was there a moment where you realized, you know what? we are a live band. We do belong on these stages where we're playing yeah. with, whether it's system or corn or, cause I know you've done a lot of festival stuff. Yeah. Was there a moment where you could look at it and say, you know, like we we've earned the right to be on the stage as a live band.
1: There have been a lot. Um, and I, it sounds like an advertisement for me to say that I feel like we've only gotten better and better over the years, but it's, it's really true. Um, and it, a lot of it just comes with the experience of doing it and, and earning those places and getting that confidence. Um, and all along the way, like in the, in the beginning, you know, when things went crazy, you know, bring me to life, number one on the charts and all that stuff. We really were so unexperienced, inexperienced. we were out there going, holy crap, I don't belong here. What do we do? Um, and as funny as that is, that's part of what, part of what was so good for us is that you just have the confidence to stand up there Anyway, I know we did um, like Rock in Rio, Lisbon, and I think 2004, when we've been playing like that for a year <laughs> or less. <laughs> and um, that's those kind of big show moments. And like Download Festival was like the next kind of era generation of the band. like, And that was a crazy big thing that felt like we did that. We survived when I was totally scared. We had to open for Iron Maiden. And I forget who was before us, but we were literally like the only people not screaming and men all day. Um, and I remember getting up there thinking, okay, they're going to throw a bunch of stuff up here and destroy us. Like, cause I'm about to roll a piano onto the stage and, and do lithium or whatever. Um, and then we got up there and it was so beautiful. All you really, I think a big part of the learning for me in those moments is that if you believe in yourself and you just have the confidence that you do belong there, then you do. Just focus on on what you came to do and what you believe in and stick to that. And like, same wordage, don't let them shake you down. Don't let them scare you off. It's just really kind of like that moment in the never-ending story where you have to go between the oracles and just believe in yourself to make it through. (laughs) It's like that. And every time you do, you get that much more... um, fire and confidence that you know that you, you do belong where you are every time. And man, talking about this is really making me miss playing live right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, it's fun. I'm sure your fans miss it too, and it, it's one of those things. By the way, now, because I am a like, huge Iron Maiden fan as well, and, and I mean, I grew up on Iron Maiden. It's funny, are there bands that you look back on and you really can learn a lot from? And just as inside where it's funny, you say that it feels like an advertisement to say that we're much <laughs> better now. Dude, it's so true. And I remember talking about this with, I think the first person I really discussed it with was Carlos Santana. And look, it's just a simple thing in life. If you do something, the more you do something, it's the 10,000 hours rule. The more you do something, the better you're going to get at it. so as long as it's not like an athlete where you lose your moves, I mean, look, Michael Jordan at 50 something isn't going to beat Michael Jordan at 20 something. But as a (laughs) musician, you do get better. You get more comfortable, you get more confident. And also as you get older, it just makes sense. But you know, are there bands that you look back on and you look at, you learn so much from or just being able to watch them?
1: Oh, yeah. Um, on, on the live side, I mean, Korn is someone that we've played with a lot in our time. And I've probably talked about them a lot. They always inspire me live. Um, part of it is that they have a, a, a vast and wonderful catalog of great music. So they can, their show is almost just like a medley of themselves. Um, and you know every song, you know, if you're a corn fan. Um, it's, but the way that they have it down with each one of them is so entertaining to watch over and over and over again. And we've been on tour with them where, you know, we're playing every night. So we'd always stay and watch, always. We got to play, um, I think it, I guess it was last year, uh, some festival where it was corn and uh, Rob Zombie. And I had actually never gotten, we'd played before with Rob Zombie, but I hadn't gotten to see it for whatever reason. And this was the first time we all got to actually stand on the side of the stage and watch um, both of those concerts, like back to back. And I just, we were just standing there, just like listening to it and watching it and feeling inspired by the rhythm, like the way that they're geared toward the way people move live. A lot of that music is just just fit for that so well, uh, I think by design. And also um, just getting in our own head of like, why does this feel so good? <laughs> what, what, like the, the rhythm of the way that they move within and, and to each other, um, both of those bands, it's just this beautifully, it seems almost choreographed, but at the same time, it's completely real. Um, yeah, that's, that's definitely something. Garbage is a big inspiration for me too. We got to play live with them a few times and, They were, I absolutely still look up to Shirley Manson and and did very much before um, we got our start Um, and to be in a place, you know, years later where we're sharing the stage and seeing her still killing it, you know, years later is a huge inspiration to me and makes me feel um, a lot
0: of like excitement for the future about, about us. You know, it's funny. I would normally never ask this question because I never tie things based in on gender. But it's interesting because Shirley's a, become a friend. I absolutely love Jonathan as a friend as well, by the I'm way. Cool. I love that as well. But Shirley is a good friend. And I, she was actually the first person I did for my Forbes Who I Am column. And it was and it's cool. interesting because I remember her talking about touring with Blondie and what that meant. Right. You know, and getting her, mm-hmm. her to tour with Debbie Harry. Is there one, and like I say, normally I apologize, I would never ask based on gender but since you mentioned Shirley and she's so openly and iconically become a feminist is there one artist that you feel like it would be really fun to tour with in terms of that sort of like empowerment feeling?
1: I don't know if I can pinpoint to that. There's, I have a number one favorite artist of all time who is a woman who I respect and admire and love very much. And that's Bjork. Um, I, it's hard to imagine, but I guess I can imagine a world where we would really belong. Like on a tour together, we played together in a festival before, which was one of the highlights of my life. Um, but, I don't know. She, I can't watch her play without crying, so it's probably just make me a big mess. She makes me very emotional. She just reaches into my soul from the way that she sings to what she sings. Like, what is going on in her world of music just lights me up.
0: Yeah, and also one of those artists as well that I admire so much because she's one of those artists that just does her own thing no matter what and doesn't answer to anybody. Totally. So let's tie this in because we don't have that much time left, you know, since we're spending so much time talking about the stage, which I know just feels like such a tease during this time when you can't go to the <laughs> stage and all we're talking about is live music. But you know what? Like I talked about with Vanessa Carlton, like I talked about with it's funny. I had did a big interview with Serge Tankian last week, who's a friend and you know, look at some point this is going to end and you will be able to tour the bitter truth, you know, looking yeah. ahead to probably realistically 2021 You know, although maybe there'll be smaller shows, whatever. When you can do this stuff live, are there songs that you're particularly excited to do live? See how the audience responds to them?
1: Uh,
0: Yes. (laughs) When we're,
1: okay, like we just came off of Synthesis, which was this, you know, orchestral, electronic, beautiful, like mostly reimaginings of of older work uh, experience where we had a live orchestra and it was just very. I hate to say the word subdued, but from a physical standpoint, it was, it was subdued. It was very intimate for sure. Um, it was a lot of work in a like head, heady kind of uh, internal musicianship kind of place. Um, and it was beautiful. But coming off of that, we were dying to just go rock again. And like, it's, it's funny how it works, but when you give yourself the ability to run in opposite directions and go down different roads oh. and try things that aren't, the thing the center of what everybody thinks you are it makes you want to run back to that thing you have to allow yourself the freedom and the ability to kind of go other places so going that way just made us really ready to to come back to our core like with full force and find out what the new sound of our core really is after all this time um, so we have been playing um, live shows and writing in between on purpose, like to get ourselves into that mode of, of what this album is going to be. So they're very much like we're in the headspace the whole time of what's this going to be like live? What's this going to feel like? We want, we want this feeling live. I want the feeling of, you know, everybody at once just all pounding their heads and feeling this moment. Um, I can't, We've only released one, so I'm not going to go down telling you a list of, of titles that nobody's heard yet. I want each song to sort of have its moment. <laughs> but um, the album's still being written, too. So I think it's it definitely since the world changed in such a giant way um, in the middle of our process, it's going gonna, it's gonna to put some dimension to the music because now you know, we're writing in a new way and from a new place. Um, but of the songs that we have finished so far, um, there are I mean, I really can't wait to play Wasted on You. But, um, the next one coming in particular, we all are just really, really ready to be rocking the stage with and and can't wait to do it. You know, when we all do everybody, I'm not just talking about my band. When, when we all do get to go back out there again and play, it is going to be such a powerful thing. It's going to be such a powerful wave, um, of, uh, just emotion release and, and I think for me, gratitude um, that we get to do what we do. And, you know, just like I was saying before about it, we didn't start as a live band. It started with music creation, the same space that we're in exactly right now, just isolated at home, making music. Um, so I'm grateful for that, that we have other things to do, but having the release of playing your music live is, there's nothing like it. Nothing else will, will scratch that itch. And I think it's the same way going to a concert and being a part of, that feeling—it is just a very human release, um, where we can come together and set any differences aside, and all just be like our deepest core of ourselves is primal. Um, I can't wait until we can go back out there, and it'll be—it'll be one of those things where we had to wait for it, so it's just going to be that much sweeter.
0: All right, now as a fan, I'm curious: is there who would be the artist that you know you would most love to like? You could pick any show to go to your first show post the pandemic. Who would be the artist you would want to see? Alive or dead? Any, yeah.
1: Man. It's really hard, but honestly, I, I, would, I would probably pick something different every day. But right now in this moment of feeling just this weird, crazy rage of like wanting sound and wanting action and wanting to just slam my head out of everything that's going on in the world. I'm going to say Pantera. That's what I go escape my family and run to my car and blast right now. Five minutes
0: alone. (laughs) Nice. That is a good, it's funny. Like you say, I think it's, it's going to be different for everyone, you know, and it does change on a daily basis because sometimes you want the peace. You know, and sometimes you are just kind of want that, that craziness. It's interesting, too, totally. coming back to Bitter Truth. I mean, Wasted on You has a different sound. It, it felt very, you know, I mean, again, it's, it's funny because it's interesting to say a different sound because, look, it's the first new album in nine years. I'm sure that you've grown so much. And it's interesting, you say For the sure. record's still being written, but mm-hmm. when you go back, like, first, well, first obvious question. Do you feel like that song is indicative of a lot of the rest of the record or it just was just the right song to lead with? And maybe there is it's
1: It's kind of its own thing. I, I, I can't say no, I can't say this is the sound of our new record. to be fair, I don't feel like I've been able to say that ever. I I feel like the whole idea of making an album, which isn't what everybody does anymore. um, I feel like it's important for us as a rock band with our fans. They want an album and I love making an album. It's like, it's like the whole book versus the chapters. Um, because of that, like, we have the ability to go down a lot of different roads and show a lot of different colors of who we are within the album. So I, I feel like all the songs are unique, even in their sound. Surely there's, there's things that tie them together. Uh, we are who we are. But that particular flavor of Wasted On You is, is unique. And the next one is, is very different from that.
0: Well, it's interesting. It's funny because I think one of the things that, you know, when Serge and I were talking about it the other day, you know, as an artist, of course, everybody has their own sort of sound. They have their own idea. What I'm getting at is, look, you know, great artists can make a record that is very diverse, but has a through line through it. So it's funny for you. Are there moments or things that you look at artists that you look to for that ability to sort of stretch out musically, but retain that identity? Mm -hmm. Like, is there like a perfect album for you where you feel like, you know what? You can have a dance song, a techno song, a ballad, a country song, a polka song, <laughs> and it's still going to be freaking villain. Probably That's not. Funny. That doesn't exist. But I, yes, you know what I mean. <laughs> I'm
1: a big fan of uh, second and third albums by people. Um, it's not on purpose, but um, I have noticed within myself that oftentimes, like I'll love an artist or a band. And then my favorite one is when they launch to the a place where they feel the freedom of going somewhere the second time around or the third time around. That's how I felt about Portishead. I absolutely loved Demi. I, Dummy. I was addicted to it. And then when their second album came out, I really fell in love. And it's funny because the way that I go is usually not the way of the world. Like, you know, the mainstream ideas, like they hear that first thing and that's the thing you're glued to. Like, I want to bring me to life, do that again. And then they kind of drop off, but then your core stays with you. I became like a core hardcore Portishead fan when the second album happened. And it had all these different places where they went, where they just let the keyboard hang out forever and turn into weird loops of space on the Leslie and just, just went nuts with it. I actually had an experience like that in the early days with, um, smashing pumpkins. I, I think it, I don't know if it was the third or what. Definitely not the first. Um, but that Melancholy melancholy and the Infinite Sadness album,
0: uh, yeah. that goes
1: all over the place. It, it's huge. It's double disc. Other um, members have a song where they get to sing. Like It was just showing you so much, so many different colors. Um, and that definitely inspired me. The Fragile by Nine Inch Nails is another one that is really huge for me that was like after the initial, here's who I am, here's the big hits, and then it's like, then it goes deeper down the hole, and you're like, wow. I don't know. That's just sort of, I I don't know if there's one album. I don't know. I don't think I could put out a poker song. I don't think that would work, but (laughs) I try to keep an open mind.
0: Okay, two last questions, then I will let you go. But one, it's interesting, because I think, and this might be a slightly longer question, but you know, one of the things for me, it's like I mentioned, one of the first things we talked about was the idea of you know, going back to one of our early interviews was about poetry. Look, I love writing because it's such a journey of self-discovery. For you, when you look at the stuff you've already written for Bitter Truth, are there things that emerged that particularly surprised you or that you didn't know you were thinking and that you really sort of developed an appreciation for?
1: Hmm. (laughs) I don't know. I want to let those things still happen. I think that, you know, back to, you know, we mentioned um, orchestral being a part of us and it is a part of us and I assume it will appear at some point, but um, not out of like, let's be different, but just out of my own cravings and what we've all wanted in the sound of the songs that are happening right now, we haven't wanted any orchestration yet. Um, So the songs that we have so far, I'm just way more into synth and keyboard sounds, filling that sort of sonic space and programming stuff than, um, than the real orchestra right now. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if it's partially just a response to the last thing we did, but I love all that stuff. Um, I don't know. I guess right now we're just in a mode where it feels more like the moment and the future for us to kind of be in this little bit of another space about
0: that. Cool. Last question, because I know you got to jump onto the other one, uh, but I've been doing this cool. roundup for Forbes. I do these all the time. And these are just the things that I geek out on favorite 70s song of all time and I know that is like 70s? Yes, I know that's an almost impossible question given the diversity but you know, I mean what's the gut answer that comes to mind?
1: I guess I have to go with the song I was named after, Amy by Pure Prairie League Interesting Well, I mean obviously That's my song
0: (laughs) It doesn't
1: sound anything like we sound but um, a lot of those silky songs that sound like that like from that era that's that's my early childhood that was my first exposure to music through my dad and my parents um my dad used to play that song and sing it to me all the time like my earliest memories like that song was there um so I guess that's you know probably coming from mostly a place of just my my memory like taking me back to that place but I also love all the harmonies um, a lot of music back then, they went into this sort of um, part country, you know, sort of like folk country was the sound, like that Americana stuff. And there's a lot of these rich, like interesting harmony parts. Um, and that song and a lot of other songs that I heard when I was first growing up had that. So I think, I think that means something to my soul.
0: <laughs> oh, come on. I mean, that's one of the things that made the 70s great was those sort of like one hit. Well, I mean, come on, look at like a firefall. Just remember I love you. You know, <laughs> by the way, going to put you yes. on the spot and then let you go. But have you ever done a cover of Pure Prairie League, Amy? And if not, are you ever going to? You know, I
1: went in the studio with my dad a couple of years ago to make our children's album, uh, Dream Too Much. And when we started, we didn't know we were making an album. I just like for my dad's 60th birthday, uh, we just went into the studio. Uh, the present was studio time. And uh, we just started recording a few things and that song was actually one of them. We didn't get to the vocals yet, <laughs> but we have like the music part down and we were just having fun sort of playing music from, you know, that I grew up on.
0: So I don't know if it'll ever get finished. It should, it sounds awesome. And it's a great song. All right, cool. Yeah. I'm gonna, is there anything you want to add I didn't ask you about? Uh,
1: no, thank you so much. It's been really nice to talk to you about some different things. Thank
0: you for breaking it up for me. Well, it's funny. We were t- Billy and I were talking about that before this started. It's it's you can really go one of two directions. The first couple of interviews I did during this, all we talked about was the freaking pandemic. And then it's like, right? I did a couple where we didn't talk about it, and people commented on the fact that it was so nice to not <laughs> it's talk nice to, about
1: that. <laughs> it's just nice to have something during your day because it's hard. You know, there's a lot of anxiety right now. A lot of fear. It's just the uncertain. You know, we're never really in control. But now more than ever, it just feels like we're really not in control in a way that we can't even see the near future for ourselves. And we have to just do a lot of deep breaths and take our escapes. I'm grateful to be an artist because I keep needing art, not just creating it, but also consuming it. Just going and listening and feeling and watching other people perform things and listening to music is just feeding my soul right now. It's nice to have a conversation with friend too, where it's not all about how freaked out we are so thank you for that
0: cool well always a pleasure i can't wait to you know sometime in 2021 or whatever we're gonna get to see this live can't wait hell yeah all right Talk to you later. It hey this is steve balton and you have been here on my turning point with guest amy lee this week from the band evanescence as i told you man always a pleasure to talk with her such a fun conversation and a lot of stories and as you can hear, a lot of great music coming up from the band, and hopefully we will get to see them live sooner rather than later. Thanks.
2: All roads lead to adventure. The Granite State isn't only home to New England's tallest peaks. You'll also find epic coastal views and charming towns perfect to explore on a summer trip. Whether you're seeking the adrenaline rush that comes from kayaking rapids or the peaceful chill that comes from enjoying a cocktail on the porch of a classic B&B, there's something for everyone in New Hampshire. For more summer inspiration, go to visitnh.gov. That's visitnh.gov. Discover your new...
1: When you look into Discover Student Loans, what you see might surprise you. We can help cover your college costs, don't charge you fees, and give you cash rewards for good grades. Ready to apply? Visit discoverstudentloans.com. Limitations apply.
2: It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football.